You are listening to the Ortho Idea Podcast, where we bring you the newest trends in orthopedic technology. Tune in for engaging interviews with medical device executives, surgeons, and surprise special guests discussing new disruptive technology in the marketplace. Here is your host, Eric Anderson. Thank you very much, everyone, for tuning in to the Ortho Idea Podcast. My name is Eric Anderson. And I will be your host today. And I'm really excited today because we are going to have a panel of surgeons that are going to talk about the subject of orthoplastics that I've been asked about several times. And so we have two of the foremost experts in the world here on our podcast today. So I have Dr. Rodriguez, who is in Chicago, Illinois, and then also Dr. Tudor Tien, who is in Michigan. And they are going to talk a little bit about, of course, orthoplastic and then also how it applies in their practices. And it should be an extremely interesting podcast for today. So without further ado, how are you gentlemen today? Doing fantastic. Thank you so much for having us this morning. Absolutely. Well, thank you for coming on. And so if I could just have each of you do a little bit of introduction of of yourselves and and, in your practice and things of that nature, we'll let the audience know before we start out. Go ahead, Tudor. My pleasure, Tudor, uh, if you can start. Sure. So, again, my name is Tudor Tian. I work at Henry Ford Allegiance Health, which is a hospital in Jackson, Michigan, and I focus on foot and ankle surgery. I did a fellowship training in Baltimore with Lou Schoen in 2004, then moved to Jackson, Michigan, have been here ever since that time. I'm very interested in limb salvage and reconstructive surgery, in addition to all the other aspects of foot and ankle surgery, which I do. Great. Well, thank you. And Dr. Rodriguez? Yeah, well, I practice in Chicago, Illinois, I'm part of the Amida Health System, St. Joseph Hospital by the Lake, I'm a pediatric surgeon, and I had been in, involved with orthopedic and plastic procedures of the lower limb at this point for over seven years. And the transition to the orthoplastic field, it has been more of a need to take care of the limb salvage and reconstructive procedures. I trained initially Cleveland, and then slowly I moved to the Chicago area for additional training. But the plastic and the plastic and microsurgical training has been a pursuit in my life. And I thank many other surgeons all over the world that have been grateful to allow me to come and train with them and spend some time with Ivan Dushik in peripheral nerve. I have been able to scrubbing in cases involving limb reconstruction in Texas Scottish Rite Children Hospital. So it has been an evolution and like Tudor, we're very excited that we're here trying to share some of our experience and our challenges that we deal with on a weekly basis. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. And thank you for your introductions. It, it, extremely impressive. And I know that our audience is going to be excited to hear what you have to say about the subject of, of orthoplastics. And I guess, if I, you know, if you could, what is orthoplastics from an orthopedic and podiatric surgeon standpoint? Let each one of you kind of discuss that. And Dr. Rodriguez, if you'd like to lead off. Yes, well, the, from a pediatric surgeon, like I said, our specialty, we, do, we focus in, in foot and ankle surgery, like Dr. Tudor. But what we encounter 
on a weekly basis in our practice are patients that they have a soft tissue or skin problems. And in specifically in the patient that they have trauma fractures, it's not uncommon that once we fix these fractures, we have problems also with the soft tissue. So we have been to some degree forced for not having some time adequate coverage in our hospital, in our network hospital, to be able to be forced to really to take care of also the, the plastic, you know, approach to the lower limb, the reconstruction of the, the skin. Yeah, that's fantastic. I first became aware of this area many years ago when I did my first trauma rotation as a resident. And one of the attending orthopedic surgeons was a previously done plastic surgery in the country that he trained in before he moved to the United States. And so he did all his own flaps. And later on, when I was learning more about managing these type of problems at one of the conferences, I think it was Scott Levine, who's an orthopedic surgeon, talked about the orthoplastic approach. And I think he even has a fellowship for that. But it's more geared towards hand surgery, upper extremity type of things, from my impression. I think there are two areas, as Dr. Rodriguez had mentioned, that we get these type of patients who need this type of work from. One is trauma, in which the patient has an injured lower limb, and they need to have both bony work and reconstructive work. And the other area is patients who come from a peripheral vascular disease or diabetic pathway in which they end up having wounds that need coverage and also need bony work. So those are two kind of different patient populations, but they all require a very collaborative team approach to fixing their problems. And I think it is a challenging situation for all physicians across the United States and the world who deal with these problems, whether they're from the podiatric training or the orthopedic training or even other specialties such as vascular surgery where they have to deal with these problems. So I became aware of Dr. Rodriguez's work. Oh, would you say it was 10 years ago, Rafa? Yeah, yeah more or less, yeah. 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 It's been a and, long time. Yeah, and it's been a wonderful and enlightening experience for me to work with Dr. Rodriguez and and as he pushes this area of work forward, it's very important. Well, thank you very much. I, that was one of the questions I was going to ask you is how long ago did you meet and, and how did this all come about, your collaboration? Yeah, the, with Tudor, we have ended up being, you know, dear friends in the process, going through our own challenges in practice, family, raising children, taking care of teenagers in the process trying to do the best we can as physicians. He has been very instrumental in training his own residents and fellows, and then some of his fellows, they, they came to Chicago for additional training. We just feel very strongly that we don't have that many options sometimes, and we have to take care of our own patients the best we can. So we start collaborating also with the industry, with you know, Orthofix in particular, and then Integra, companies that are more prone to to look into these options of skin and bone and, you know, the soft tissue reconstruction in com combination with the fracture care. 
it has been a, a wonderful evolution because we have combined, we have been able to promote these ideas, promote these, encourage, you know, additional training. And the results have been fantastic. Now we we do have a society that is, is goes under the name of the American Orthoplastic and Microsurgical Society. We have surgeons that are, you know, basically from all over the world. And we have a chat room that we we bounce ideas from each other in a very friendly, family-oriented way. We have a symposium that is kind of like our big symposium that is here in Chicago every year, the Chicago Lower Extremity Surgical Symposium. We have been able to be in the podium in, in, in Seattle, you know, in Dallas, and trying to, you know, push the interest because fun times in... in if you are treating patients in a, in a, not in a, in a very big academic center, sometimes you end up treating these patients in that require multiple specialties. You tr- you're basically trying to do the best you can as a single practitioner. And it has been challenging, but we pursue additional training. And, and in that way, things have been very successful. Well, thank you very much for that. And and that actually leads perfectly right, right into my next question. And what are both your feelings on why would you need to be trained in plastic reconstruction and microsurgery? Go ahead, Tudor. Well, I think that, like Dr. Rodriguez was saying, it is actually probably twofold reason. First, if you aren't actually doing the procedure yourself, you have to understand what's available and what can be done. Because in that setting you're serving as a referral surgeon or practitioner to get the patient the best care they need. And the second would be to be doing the surgery yourself. And I think understanding that concept is really important. So I think not everybody who learns all these techniques will be doing them on a daily basis. And certainly that is reasonable and still valuable to understand the concepts. On the other hand, there are some people who once they learn the techniques and are in the right setting, are going to be doing the primary bulk of this type of work. And that skill set, if you cannot do flaps, if you can't can't do other microsurgical work, nerve work, you're going to be limited in what you can provide directly for the patient. So I see it as kind of twofold. One is understanding so you can set things up and then the other is actually performing and doing the procedures. A good case in point is in the trauma world, which is one place where people come to require work, which is collaborative in nature. People can have a very comminuted fracture of a joint that needs to be reconstructed eventually. And if it's done in an inappropriate way initially, the surgical incisions can make the reconstructive work following along later more challenging and difficult. So understanding those concepts that you can make appropriate incisions to do the initial work really helps the patient down the line when they have to go for a further reconstruction. So that's something which I think is, you know, fundamental. Other things when people are doing emergency surgery and putting on external fixators, understanding, you know, where to put them, how to put them, to protect the limb. Again, they may not be doing the surgery definitively, 
but they need to do it in a way that facilitates the care of the patient to after they're taken to the next step. So I guess those are the two, two things that I think are important. Those are very, very important. And like Twitter mentioned, and I want to really reinforce that, that even if you will not be doing the soft tissue reconstruction, that you primarily are involved in the fracture care, if you don't adequately place those incisions in the right way, it would limit to some degree or destroy the options that we have to plastically reconstruct that area. So even though, like he, like he said, if you will not be doing the orthopedic and the plastic reconstruction, just mainly the orthopedic component of it, you need to be aware, and that's the reason why we are so forceful training residents and fellows. So when they leave the residency training and the fellowship training, they're very conscious that when they approach a limb that has suffered a trauma episode, they don't violate these surgical incision lines that are only seen from a plastic standpoint and not from an orthopedic standpoint. So in our courses, we, we go over anatomy of what, what we call the anatomy of the perforators, which is basically the living source of the skin and how we avoid direct damage to these local bundles of blood flow. We could definitely have a better outcome and offer the patient better, better results. Well, thank you. And that's exciting as far as and having this as part of your practices and, and, one of the things that you know, you've kind of talked a little bit about it throughout what our, our conversation today, but how is it being an orthoplastic surgeon? How is that being, how has that been helpful in your practice specifically? You want me to go first? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I would say it just, it opened my eyes to a completely different area of managing things. And it's probably something that is right in front of us anyhow but we don't always think about it. And I'll just take one little example when I was thinking about this topic. People have common problems like heel pain. And this is kind of a segue, not exactly what we're talking about now, but they come with heel pain and then maybe initially people looked at the bone, saw that they had a bone spur, went took out the bone spur, and then they looked at the soft tissues and saw, oh, you know, there's degeneration of the plantar fascia. And they started to treat that component and do partial plantar fasciectomy to see if that would help the patient. And then they noticed that, well, there are nerves that run by the same area. So maybe we'll also decompress Baxter's nerve. But that evolution of thinking, dealing with a problem that a patient has, and then following all of the different components that that problem is related to, bone, nerve, soft tissue, is fundamental to the work we do anyhow. And when people focus only on one aspect, for instance, talking about trauma, broken bone, okay, fix the bone. And they don't think about the soft tissues like Dr. Rodriguez was saying, thinking about the perforators and how to handle the soft tissues, they're going to run into trouble and they're going to have more wound complications. So knowing and understanding that even though we're trained in one particular practice, really as physicians and surgeons, we have to use all of the experiences from other specialties in what we 
take to the operating room to care for the patient. So I don't know if that's kind of my philosophy about how it is. So when I first started working on this and collaborating with Dr. Rodriguez, just understanding all the different flaps that can be done, understanding mm-hmm. all of the different nerve work that is available for patients is super important because I think it allows me to identify problems which I wouldn't actually even be aware of or focus on if I didn't have that training. So I think that's fundamental. Yeah, you totally, totally. Thank you. I think that, you know, Tudor just hit it right on the nail on the importance of it because the few years ago, I was in a meeting, one, a very respected surgeon, which I care a lot from, for he mentioned to me, I've been in practice for 30 years plus, and I'm not seeing this pathology that you're seeing when you're dealing with peripheral nerve or nerve injuries. And I said to him, Doc, with all due respect, but he has been in front of you for the last 30 years. If you don't recognize the problem, you cannot offer a good diagnosis and you cannot offer a good treatment. So it was not that long ago that Tudor was in Chicago also because he wanted to provide for the patients in his area and trying to, in his entire hospital system, and the management of patients with paralysis, uh, patients that they cannot move their foot, you know, because of a direct nerve injury to a nerve that is right across the knee. So we are now trying to manage that neurological condition that is treated when it's treated, and it's not that often that it's being treated by peripheral nerve surgeons, and there's not that many peripheral nerve surgeons in the world either. So it's one more thing that now we're trying to do, not just dealing with the orthopedic and dealing with the soft tissue, the skin problem, but now dealing with the nerve, trying to reconstruct nerve problems, which requires microsurgical training. So what I'm, what basically in summary, we're just trying to evolve constantly to be a better physician for our patients. And in the process, train as many fellows and residents to be aware and if they're not really it's not in their plan to pursue this additional training at least they know that they can count on us if they come across any of these patients with these possible conditions and we'll be more than glad to help them yeah i think that's great i think one thing i emphasize with all of the residents who i interact with is the importance of lifelong learning That's something which I don't know when they first started to pound that into me as a resident, but that's something that I certainly embrace. And I think Dr. Rodriguez is just so, so good at that. I mean, he just is full of energy, learning all the time. And I think that is something that we all have to do who who work in in this area because things are not stagnant, and we have got to keep pushing ourselves to learn more and more all the time. And that's really important, I think, for the residents who who finish training. They haven't really finished training. They've just started. <laughs> yeah, and the work gets around very fast. Sometimes among, among residents, the way that they, they communicate these days is so different than when I was a resident. I mean, they do Instagram, they do uh, Twitter. And it's amazing how they communicate. It's like uh, like fire that just spreads very quickly sometimes. It was just maybe perhaps three, four months ago 
there was a there was a resting and rotating through one of the Chicago hospital. He said that he had been in Michigan, and then in Michigan, he was with an orthopedic surgeon that does plastic limb reconstruction also. And I'm like, well, do you remember the name? And oh yeah, it's, it, he works. Uh, it's you know, I think it's Doctor Tudor. And so what I'm getting into is that there's not that many people out there that have the interest to do orthopedic and plastic reconstruction as a combined specialty. And I feel strongly that we need to just continue promoting, you know, additional training. I'm constantly trying to learn new techniques. So I'm, I'm going to be always a forever student. And I think that you maintain a very humble idea and you will continue recognize, you will recognize that the process of learning is endless and collaborating with other surgeons and other people that kind of feel like you is really the best way because it's not, it's not easy to practice medicine. We are very, very constrained by time, paperwork, administrative type of work. Patients also these days are not really the happiest because they feel like they're paying more for health insurance and they're getting less time with the physicians. So you're trying to perform the best you can. And in today's day, things are not just optimal for us to continue evolving and maintain a good, happy patients. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Well, great. Thank you very much for that, Dr. Rodriguez. Go ahead, Dr. Tian. Sorry. Oh, no. Yeah, I totally agree. Patient-focused care and patient-centered care, bringing the care team to the patient. Those are big concepts, I think, today and applicable to this idea where you don't have the patient go around to multiple subspecialists to get their care, but you bring everybody to the patient to facilitate things. It's going to be more cost-effective. It's going to be a more pleasant experience for the patient. And I think that's our goal. Yeah. And, and Tudor, if you can expand, you know, what we were discussing, you know, you know, through some text messaging, you know, a few days ago about, you know, the, the concept of hand surgery with microsurgery and how you have sometimes hand surgeons dealing with lower extremity nerve injuries and plastic and how we just in some way have lower extremity specialists. We just need to just pursue this more because we have another specialty in an area that we are at all time dealing with. I'm not exactly sure where you're leading with that question, but I'll tell you, it, this is what I think of when, when you like, say that. Like for, yeah, like for instance, you know, like how important to some degree is moving forward because we don't have that many options into other specialties to help us out in our cases. Yeah, or, or even cooperating with the subspecialists is they don't have our background either. So I'll give exactly. you Exactly. Yeah, that's really what I mean. Yeah, so I'll give you an example. So at my institution, there was a patient who had a extremely bad infection and had to have limb salvage and had wound reconstruction done beautifully by the plastic surgery service. And the patient ended up with a Achilles tendon contracture, but their limb was saved. It was after a infection from the saphenous vein harvesting for a cardiac procedure. And the patient's 
leg was great. It was perfused. The wound was healed, but they had this contracture. So I did a Achilles tendon lengthening, but the material used for the salvage of the of the limb was not flap based. It was grafted material, allograft, and it it was not flexible. And it's interesting because I don't have that experience before trying to deal with this problem. So when I performed the surgery, I thought I'd just do kind of minimally invasive surgery, percutaneous Achilles lengthening. And it worked fine, got the ankle dorsiflex to neutral, but the skin graft had no pliability. And so just fractured. And so the plastic surgeon had to graft that. And eventually the patient did fine. But a collaborative care of that patient early on, perhaps it could have been an external fixator to keep them from having a Achilles tendon contracture while they were being treated for their wound after the infection from harvesting the saphenous vein would have prevented having to have a second surgery. And I think, you know, perhaps if I had have understood more the nature of that type of soft tissue reconstruction and been more keyed in on pliability of these type of grafts that the plastic surgeons sometimes employ, I would have avoided that problem by maybe doing a gastrocnemius recession or something like that, maybe a bigger incision, but avoided that type of problem. So it's really interesting to me. I mean, that's an example of where people having communal knowledge on both ends, whether it's the specialist working with us or us working with the other area, is so important for the patient care. And ultimately, I think this patient did wonderfully. And I think in the future, if I had a patient like that, I would either talk to my colleague about, hey, why don't we put them in an external fixator? And they have no experience with that, so they're not going to do that as plastic surgeons. Or if we didn't do it that way, we came back later on, I would go, okay, we're going to have some issues because there's no pliability to the type of material used, which in that case was A-cell, which is a very non-pliable material once it heals. What are your thoughts, Dr. Yeah, you know, I hear you completely. Just the fact of placing an external fixator has been a, a big component of something that, for the most part, you know, plastic or hand surgeons would not feel comfortable performing in, in the lower limb because the anatomy in that area and a poorly applied fixator will lead to, like you said, contractures also and the malformation of joints that then it could other prongs that could be also very debilitating. So the collaboration is the key. When you have very dedicated physicians on both sides of the specialty, it's a, it's a big plus in success. But even if you have the best intentions in the world and you want to collaborate with other physicians, we're so time-constrained and there's so much additional non-medical things that we have to do sometimes that are limiting our ability to, to perform at the highest level for our patients. That's the reason why we, I mean, we decided that you know, this podcast could be very beneficial. I think that I'm very excited that you know, Tudor joined forces on this end because it's something easy that the resident fellows, junior attending, even senior attendings can listen to, push forward uh, into their medical educational programs and start promoting more these co collaborative 
effort to deal with uh, complexly reconstructed scenarios. Yes, fascinating and a very important work. Well, thank you very much, gentlemen. I appreciate all the information. But if you could talk a little bit, you're talking a little bit about education. Could you could you talk a little bit about CLES and AMOS and education opportunities in the future? Sure. So the with the with the AMOS, the American Microsurgical Plastic Society, that Tudor and myself we're, we're members, we just have a collaborative effort of members from all over the world that they chair in a in a, in a very formal, friendly fashion cases and scenarios that are challenging we post articles that are pertinent to our cases and this is something that is basically a great way that we can all come together reach out to the industry to obtain educational grants to run all these skills and courses and workshops that are needed for us to continue evolving and then this year in April, in a few weeks, April 8th to the 10th, we had the Chicago Lower Extremity Surgical Symposium, which you can register through the internet and our website, of course, at the www.clesf.org. And in which we're going to have, it's going to be all virtual the first day with lectures from uh, speakers from all over the world, very talented, passionate individuals that are going to share their experiences. And then we the additional two days, Friday and Saturday, that we, we're going to have uh, several doctors, surgeons dissecting in the lab and special individuals like Dr. Tien that are going to be joining as special moderators. And in that way, he can share his experience with a very specific flap or very specific external fixation or fracture type of uh, management. And in that way, make things more interactive because through this pandemic, it's been very difficult to maintain the momentum. We have been, a lot of us, out of the OR performing elective cases because the hospital had been occupied treating COVID patients. So these are just very important initiatives that we're trying to engage the industry to support our, our future in this specialty of orthoplastics. And as you know, I think... I think that we're going to be very successful. We've been very successful, but we need to continue pushing forward. And maybe maybe Dr. Tien has a few more words before we finish. Oh, I'd just say the educational opportunities offered in AMOS are incredible. It's such a group of very talented and passionate people that I learn a lot just trying to keep up with the group. It's hard to keep up because it's such a fast-paced group of people, always interested in learning. And CLESS sounds like a fantastic opportunity this year for everybody. And if I can contribute to it, I think that would be real pleasure of mine. So look forward to all of the, all of the things that are being done in this area to improve patient care and push towards limb salvage surgery and it just, I think it's even more than that. I think it's just the right type of care for patients in the lower extremity. And just like hand surgeons have brought a huge depth of resources to taking care of patients with hand injuries, it's our mission and responsibility to do the same thing for patients with problems in the lower extremity. Yeah, yeah that's right. Thank you so much.
Well, gentlemen, thank you very much for your time today. An extremely informative topic of orthoplastics. And again, several educational opportunities out there for our our audience to take advantage of. And again, gentlemen, thank you so much for your time and enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks Thanks very much, Eric. All right. Take care. Thanks, Rafa. Thank you, Tudor. Bye. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Ortho Idea Podcast. If you would like to learn more about the technologies discussed, please visit www.orthoidea.com.